Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Now here's Pastor Barry. Good morning and welcome to North Sound Church. It's great to see you all this morning. Thank you for joining us for worship today. We're delighted that you are here. We uh, recognize, uh, or at least we live into, we recognize all the seasons of the church but at North Sound, we particularly live into Advent, which is the looking forward to the coming of Jesus. The next season is Epiphany, which we don't particularly um, uh, recognize or live into, but is an important season in the life of the church. And then comes Lent, uh, and after Lent comes Pentecost. And uh, to help us in our Lenten journey, we try to do some things as a church that helps us to understand the meaning of Lent in our lives. And one of those things has been to invite Dr. Borsma to be with us this weekend. We've had a wonderful time the last couple of, uh, couple of days in the lectures that we have received, the learning that we have had, the bigger understanding of God and his relationship with us. Uh, and then at the end of Lent, right uh, on the weekend of, uh, of Palm Sunday, um, we have the Ministries of Pastoral Care Spiritual Retreat here at North Sound Church. And uh, the uh, information for that is found in your program this morning. So I encourage you to take that and look over it. It's a wonderful opportunity without having to go out of town uh, to a, a, a camp or, or a retreat setting um, to actually have a wonderful two-day retreat led by uh, Dr. Sarah, who is a part of our congregation, uh, who succeeded Leanne Payne as the leader of the Ministries of Pastoral Care. So we invite you to seriously consider being a part of that and recognizing this as part of our Lenten journey. Speaking of our Lenten journey, um, we have the Lenten devotional for you. It's available in the lobby. If you didn't get one, I encourage you to do so. We're just in the second Sunday of Lent, and so there's lots of opportunity uh, to engage uh, in this wonderful season. Before I uh, introduce uh, Hans, I want to say, Jenny, what a great job you did on uh, Thursday uh, speaking to our city and our city fathers uh, before uh, Mayor Dave got up. Um, I told Sean and Jen I had Ethan, and uh, that, that little baby that started to cry, I had to make a run for it because uh, he decided that he didn't like the fellow that followed you. So uh, that's what happened that day. Uh, it's my privilege to introduce to you Dr. Hans Boersma. As I said, we've had a wonderful weekend, a uh, wonderful friendship. Um, I have begun to appreciate in a very real way Hans and Linda and the work that they do for the kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Hans is going to be sharing with us today some wonderful insights regarding Lent, very profound insights regarding the meaning of fasting and this season. Hans is a professor at Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia. He has written a ton of books. Uh, I said to the folks in the first service, I didn't want to narrate the number of books because I didn't want to take away from his sermon time. Uh, but if you go online to hansborsma.com, you can see a, a list of the contributions that he has made. One of his more recent books uh, that came out last year, Scripture as Real Presence, won a Christianity Today Award of Merit um, last year as one of the best books of 2017. And now uh, um, he is in the process of, uh, of another one on the beatific vision um, of our Lord. 
Um, I have been especially influenced by uh, a book called Heavenly Participation, and that was a lot of uh, the kind of information that he shared with us this past weekend. You're going to be blessed. I encourage you to join me in welcoming Dr. Hans Boersma to North Sound Church. Thank you so much, uh, Barry, for your very kind welcome. And um, not just this morning, but throughout this weekend. Uh, it's been an absolutely lovely weekend uh, being here at North Sound with you. And um, as I've come to know Barry a little bit over, um, well, this past weekend and before that, we chatted for a long time over lunch uh, several months ago. Um, the one thing that particularly has struck me is just his absolute enthusiasm and love for the gospel. And... Um, if I've been blessed by that already uh, in the little time that I've spent with him, I can only imagine um, how you all must be blessed with having a pastor like that. Uh, so thank you so much for your love for, for Jesus and for the gospel. It's, it's marvelous to see that. Um, the period of Lent is indeed what I want to talk about with you this morning. And what happens in the period of Lent is that God shows to us who we are. God tells us what our identity is. But he doesn't do that until he's done something else first. God never begins just by telling you and me, well, this is who you are. Rather, God begins by telling us something about himself. God begins by showing what his identity is like. Knowledge of ourselves and knowledge of God, those two go together. They always go hand in hand. But the knowledge of ourselves, the way we get to know ourselves, isn't something separate from our getting to know God. You cannot possibly get to know yourself without at one and the same time, getting to know God himself. That, I think, is perhaps one reason why in the liturgical year, Lent comes right after Epiphany. You know what Epiphany means. Epiphany means manifestation. It means God revealing himself. God showing to us who he is. And he has done that Christmas, in the Incarnation, and in the period following that. And so the entire period from Christmas to Lent is a period in which God shows himself to us in Jesus. He tells us, this is who I am. This is my love for you. I love you so much that, that I'm taking on your very own identity. That I take on human flesh. I become one of yours. For your sake, I am therefore all love, I am all mercy, I am all grace for you. The way we get to know God is by God manifesting himself, by God showing himself to us in Jesus. That's epiphany. Today's passage from Isaiah 58 takes us to the next step. It takes us to God again showing us something, but this time 
showing us who we are. And the amazing thing is, just as he shows us who he is in Jesus, so we will see this morning, he also shows us who we are again in Jesus. The entire thing centers, both Epiphany and Lent, it all centers on Jesus. So this morning, the Lord wants to show us some things about who we are, who we ourselves are. And the way in which God teaches us this is by taking us on a walk. He takes us on a walk from Galilee in the north all the way to Jerusalem further south. We are on a walk this morning with Jesus. He says to us, I want to tell you something about yourself. I want you to get you know to know yourself more deeply. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to show you what this Lenten journey, this pilgrimage to the cross is all about. And indeed, we know that where this journey ends, don't we? We know that when Jesus travels south from Galilee to Jerusalem, he does this because he has not counted equality with God something to be grasped. We know that it is because he is going to humble himself, he's going to become obedient to death, even to death on a cross. And that is the place, says Jesus, where I am going to bring to fulfillment this prophecy from Isaiah 58. That is where I'm going to loose the chains of injustice. That is where I'm going to untie the cords of the yoke. And that's where I'm going to set the oppressed free. That is where I'm going to break every yoke. That's verse 6 of our text. Talk about Lenten fasting. That's Jesus humbling himself. That is Jesus fasting himself. So you see how Jesus is present in this text. How this text opens up for us as we see Jesus in it walking south to Jerusalem. Yes, he has already revealed himself. He has already made clear throughout Epiphany who he is, that he is the great I am. And this great I am, this God of mercy and love and care for his oppressed people, comes to us, takes us by the hand, and he says, I want you to come on a walk with me. When Jesus takes us by the hand, we get to know ourselves. We know that it is in relationship that we come to know ourselves most truly, right? It's in relationship with my wife that I get to know myself more truly. Perhaps it teaches me sometimes that I'm quickly irritable. At other times it 
My relationship with my wife tells me I'm being selfish. And yet at other times, I have to admit, I'm letting her do the lion's share of the work at home. Now, of course, I try, perhaps, to blame my wife for all of those things. But in those moments where we're most honest with ourselves, we have to admit, my relationship with this person that I know so well teaches me a great deal, not just about him or her, It teaches me a great deal about myself. I get to know myself in relationship with other people. And what we find out when that happens is the picture isn't always as flattering as we would like it to be. And so now you and I are on a Lenten journey. We're traveling with the great I Am who has revealed himself in Jesus. And it's in his company, in relationship with him, that he wants us to get to know ourselves. This is going to be the hard part. In some sense, epiphany was the easy part. When God reveals himself to us, his mercy, his love, and his grace, who he is, We love to take that in. God, after all, is sheer goodness. He's pure grace. He he is the good shepherd. He's the bread of life. But it's when you're confronted with mercy. It's when when you're face to face with love that you begin to truly sense your own shortcomings. Cry loud, says God in Isaiah. First verse of our text. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression. To the house of Jacob their sins. This one hurts. God, in our relationship with Jesus shows us our rebellion, confronts us with our shortcomings, points out to us our sins. It's when Jesus walks with us that we find out the painful reality of who it is that we are. That's what's going on in this passage in Isaiah 58. God's people have just come back after 70 years of exile from Babylon. They're back home, as it were, back in the promised land. But the adjustment, the adjustment of life with each other, the adjustment of life with God seems to be awfully difficult. Fields lie abandoned. Houses are in ruins. City walls have crumbled down and aren't yet built up. And what do people do in this situation? They take care of themselves first. 
The result is that very few people actually manage to eke out a living. And those who do own their own little piece of land, perhaps, what they do is they hire people who are less well-off than themselves for the lowest possible wage. Even on the Sabbath day, even on the day of fasting, these impoverished people still have to work. Some are even forced to sell their wives and their kids to their better-off neighbors for slaves. Hungry people are sitting by the city gate begging for food. Homeless people are littering the streets. Dressed in rags, they huddle together at night trying to stay warm. And in the midst of all this anxiety, all this fear, anger, violence, rise to the surface. And people give expression to their frustration. They hit each other with a wicked fist, our text tells us. Now this does not seem like the promised reality of return from exile, does it? People all know this is not what they had anticipated the return from exile would be like. And so in their anger and in their frustration, they call out to God. They blame Him for their frustration, for their own sins, for their own rebellion. Why have we fasted? And you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? People of Judah, back in their own land, they're shaking their fist of God, insisting that he help them out and challenging him why he's not. And at the same time, as they give voice to their frustration, they fast. They humble themselves. They pray in hopes that God is going to listen and make a change in their fortunes. It's not the fasting itself that's a problem here. It's not the praying itself that's a problem here. In fact, God has prescribed all of this in His law. On the Day of Atonement, there was a once-a-year prescription, a command to humble oneself, to fast. And after the return from exile, we know from the other scriptures that these fasting days only increased. There were more and more of them. We know from Zechariah, for example, that after the return from exile, people remembered... On a day of fasting, the day on which Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city of Jerusalem. It was on the 10th month of the year. They remembered also with fasting the day that the Babylonians broke through the city walls. Fasting on the fourth month. They remembered again when the enemies burned down the very temple in which God lived, 
Another day of fasting, the fifth month. And finally, on the day that their, one of their last leaders, Gedaliah, was murdered by the Babylonians, it's a day that was remembered with fasting on the seventh month. People knew about fasting. They knew about wearing sackcloth instead of fancy clothes. They knew about going around in ashes as a way of humbling themselves before God. And we need to read this chapter carefully. For again, it's not like there was anything wrong with the fasting, with the humbling, with the praying to God. Didn't Moses fast for 40 days? Didn't Elijah likewise fast for 40 days? And didn't even Jesus himself, after he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, fast for 40 days? It's not the Lenten fasting itself that's a problem. It's not the sackcloth and ashes that God shows himself to be angry about in this chapter. In fact, when Jesus preaches that wonderful sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he assumes that people will fast. When you fast, he says, clearly expecting that his disciples will. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. He then adds, right? It is the way we go about our lives, the way we go about our Lenten walk with Jesus that matters. It's much the same in Isaiah 58. It is the way that the returned exiles go about things that matters to God. After all, it is in relation with Jesus that we get to know ourselves. Fasting during Lent, putting ashes on our foreheads, that is meant to be a symbol of humbling ourselves before God. It is a way of identifying with him as he traveled south from Galilee to Jerusalem. It's a way of saying, I want to be where he is. As he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, so I don't want to exalt myself. As he humbled himself even to death on a cross, so I am willing to suffer with him and if need be, even to be martyred with him. When people in the Old Testament, when they would fast... Sometimes they would use the word fast for that, simply. But at other times, they would use the word humble for it. They would humble themselves. And really, they're synonyms. They're one and the same thing. They mean the same thing. To fast means to humble yourself. To humble yourself means to fast. It is a way of saying, I am putting myself down before God. When we fast, we lower ourselves 
we make ourselves poor, we identify with Jesus as he travels to the cross. So why? Why would God be angry in this chapter? Isn't this exactly what his people are doing? Humbling themselves, fasting, lowering themselves, identifying with the poor? Well, it's in that last point that we find the stickler, isn't it? Identifying with the poor. For in their very act of humbling themselves, they're making a lie out of who they are. I want you to look for a moment, if you have your Bible with you, at verse 10. It shows the deep, deep irony of the situation. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, and if you satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness. So who are the people who are left in the dust? They are, according to verse 10, the hungry. They are the afflicted. Now, the word afflicted is the identically same word that we find elsewhere in various portions of this chapter translated as humble. Afflicted and humble is in the original the exact same word. So when we humble ourselves with fasting, with sackcloth and ashes, we're symbolically identifying ourselves with the down and out. What we're saying to God is, by fasting, I am putting myself down. I belong to the down and out. And it's precisely the refusal to do that that makes the people of Judah in this chapter stand out like hypocrites. We want to travel with Jesus during this season of Lent, don't we? We know where we can find him. Matthew's gospel is very clear about that. Chapter 25. Jesus himself tells us there where we can find him. Talks about the sheep and the goats in that famous chapter. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And this is how he addresses the goats, you'll recall. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. Naked, you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. We know where we can find Jesus. We know what it means to travel with him. The most painful thing of this chapter 
is that people are fasting and humbling themselves. They're putting on ashes. They're acknowledging their rebellion and sin. For all we know, these people are truly identifying as the down and out of the world. Faced with God's self-revelation in Jesus, they do all the right things. Except, it's all a lie. To really identify with Jesus. Wouldn't that be to stand alongside the humble? Beside the afflicted? Right there where the down and out are? To really identify with Jesus, would that not be to be willing to suffer for him? To suffer with him? To suffer in him? And through this suffering of Jesus, to loose the chains of injustice, share our food with the hungry, provide our homes to the homeless, and give clothes to the naked. difficult thing about relationships is it's in relationship with others that you get to know yourself. And it's when we're walking with Jesus. It's in the mercy of God's self-revelation in the epiphany that we get to know ourselves. And we know only too well what we see when we see God's mercy in Jesus. For in his purity, in his purity, you and I see our own hypocrisy. In his humility, we suddenly recognize our own arrogance. In the peacefulness of Jesus, we recognize and that we're forced to identify with those who engage in violence. And in Jesus' poverty, we come to see that we are the ones who are selfish and greedy. And that's precisely the purpose of this passage. It's when we get to know Jesus that we get to know ourselves too. Knowledge of God inevitably leads to knowledge of ourselves. Epiphany always gets followed by Lent. And yet, there's more to this self-knowledge of ours. For it is also when we walk with Jesus to the cross... And as we're looking Jesus in the face, that we're recognizing we're not walking alone. He is walking the journey. And if it is true that I'm greedy, that I'm violent, that I'm arrogant, and that at times I even act like a hypocrite. 
he must know me. And he must have come also for me. For it's precisely those acts that actually truly turn me into the poorest of poor. Jesus comes for you and me. He comes to free you and me from our hypocrisy. He comes to rid us of our arrogance. He comes to heal us of our violence. He comes to get rid of our selfishness and greed. And it's at that moment that we know it is precisely, precisely for us, for us rebels, for us sinners, that he has come to travel with us. And suddenly we find ourselves yet again in this story of Isaiah 58. We find ourselves as the poor, as the lost, as the down and out, as the ones who are sold for a penny. It's at that moment that we recognize that we have been the ones carrying the bonds of wickedness, burdened by the yoke of oppression. It's in that moment of true humility, that moment of genuine repentance, that God in Jesus places on us the sign of the cross and says, I identify you with what I am doing for you. He places the sign of the cross not just on our foreheads. He places it in the depth of our hearts. It's during Lent. It's during Lent that God truly reveals who we are. When we yet again discover ourselves in Jesus as we travel with him to the foot of the cross. Shall we pray? Merciful Lord, we give you our thanks. We offer up our very selves to you for what you have done for us and for what you continue to do for us. We give you thanks that every moment of the day in Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, you walk with us. You hold us by the hand You look to us and make us realize who we really are. And so, Lord, we pray that we may truly recognize ourselves in you. That we may come to know ourselves as poor sinners in need of your love, of your mercy, of your forgiveness. Lord, we come to you we humbly bow down before you and we plead with you to have mercy on us 
to lift us up, to take us into yourself, and to take us home to the promised land, eternal life with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray. Amen.